chapter 4, verse 6. I was so tired last night, I don't even know what I preached. I hope it made sense. I think I'm going to listen to the podcast to see if I agree with it. Uh, but on any account, it's really good to be here and thankful to the Lord for this wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Not 2 Timothy, but 1 Timothy chapter 4. I like that name, Timothy. That's my name, Timothy. One who honors God. I've tried to honor God uh, as a result of that name. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look with me, if you would, in verse 6. The Apostle Paul writing to young Timothy. And Timothy, this is what Paul says to him, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things... Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up into the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast obtained. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you'd help me to say what needs to be said. Pray that you give us ears uh, to hear and heart to receive the wonderful, uh, wonderful words of God. And I pray, Father, that you'll speak to our hearts and help us, Lord, uh, to grow in the faith and, and uh, be a, a better Christian as a result of what we've heard this morning. I do pray for these men of God and these ladies of faith. I pray, Father, that you would have your will and way in each and every life that's represented today. May thy will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I were going to a farming uh, conference, I would expect to hear something uh, about farming. Uh, if I were going to a Christian Law Association seminar, uh, and uh, they, they, they used to give them out more so than they do now, and I've been to a few of those uh, to learn how to keep preachers out of prison, out of jail, and uh, how to do right by your, your church legal matters. And if I were going to one of those seminars, I would expect to hear some things about uh, legal counsel uh, from these Christian lawyers. Uh, <clears throat> when I go to pastor's fellowships, I expect to hear something about uh, making and being a good pastor. Uh, I, I want to hear something that will help me to do what God's called me to do uh, in a better way. I don't want to hear something that just give me something to preach next week, but I really want to hear something that will help me to be that man of God that God wants me to be. Now, you won't walk away from any preaching meeting that I ever have and say, boy, Pastor Stone's brilliant. You won't, you won't say that. Uh, but I hope that we can leave you with uh, some truth that will help you to be a better man of God. Uh, the Bible says here, good minister. I like uh, that term, be a good minister. Uh, good is defined as better, fair, goodly, honest, worthy. Minister is uh, defined as one who runs errands. Get that? One who runs errands, an attendant, a waiter, a teacher, pastor, deacon, servant, minister. Okay, now I'm convinced a good minister is a better servant. Okay, I believe that's what God would have us to be is a better servant. Now, how can pastors be a better servant? And that's what we want to address today is how we can be a better servant. The Apostle Paul was addressing Pastor Timothy and Timothy, like Titus, had many struggles in the ministry. Up to this point, he too wanted to quit. We see that in uh, verse 13, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. And uh, the Bible says, And as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. Why did Paul have to beg Timothy to stay at Ephesus? Because Timothy wanted to leave. I have found out a long time ago that if you are led by troubles, 
uh, it will there will be no end to that. You can't leave because of problems. You've got to leave because God's involved and God is leading. He led you to come and He knew all about the sorry situation that you're about to inherit and to take over. He knew all about it and He led you there. Then, now just put your big uh, boy britches on and uh, uh, toughen up and say, this is, this is my call, this is what God led me to do, and with God's help, we're going to sink or swim, okay? And you're going to swim if you stay with God and let God uh, do the leading. But if you let trouble do the leading, then uh, there's no end to that because you're going to always have troubles. The troubles I had in the first church, uh, I've passed two churches, uh, the troubles I had when I was a young preacher at Philadelphia Baptist Church, I still have. I have it at, at uh, Beeville Baptist Church. Uh, same, same problems, just different people. And I find out that when you outlive some of those problems, there's somebody else that uh, rises to the occasion. And uh, it's just always going to be. And, and that's okay. Because when I was young, I didn't know that there were solutions to those problems. And as I've gotten older and in the ministry and been serving the Lord, I find out there's a problem solver and he can take care of business. And a lot of times he's working on me to be able to better work on them. And that's why I believe sometimes problems are so prevalent in the ministry. So Paul was begging Timothy to abide still uh, there at Ephesus. Uh, he had some... Um, uh, unhealthy questions asked him and uh, in chapter 1 verse 4 and so uh, Paul was telling Tim he says neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which ministers questions rather than godly edification which is in faith so do uh, silly questions uh, things that kind of get you off track and get you all up in arms about things I, I, don't, I don't like to talk about politics before I preach I don't like to do that. I don't like to hear uh, what uh, the president is saying because I agree wholeheartedly with everything that he says. And if he ever says anything right, it was a mistake. I promise you that. He didn't mean to say anything right. He's not doing right. He's ruining America. Uh, we're in the crossroads of, of, of a mass group of people coming through. A massive group. And uh, he's not protecting America. And uh, we can go on uh, and on. He's the abortion president. He's going to see to it that the, the ba little babies are killed. Uh, and, and, and how sad that is. And uh, he's just ruining America every way possible. And I don't like to talk to that about that type of stuff before I preach. So I refuse to say any more. Zip! Okay? Alright, so uh, there are challenging questions. And Paul was trying to tell Tim about that. And then we also see that Paul challenged Timothy to war, a good warfare, in chapter 1 and verse 18. A good warfare isn't almost winning, it's winning. <laughs> it's not a good war if you lose, it's a bad war. It's a good war when you win. And by the way, we've got the armament, we've got uh, orders from headquarters, uh, we, we, we can see what the victory is, and it's ours to be had, and we're on the winning side, Okay. But young Timothy needed to be reminded of that. Paul challenged Timothy to pray for all men, including the president, priest, uh, preacher, uh, I mean, uh, uh, kings and, and so forth. He, said, he encouraged him to pray for all men. You know, I, I, I have to watch myself. God, zap him. Zap him, Lord. Zap him. Please zap him. 
I'm, I'm praying, but uh, we need to be nice when we pray. We need to ask God. It wouldn't it be great if he got saved and turned around and became an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, Christ-exalting, devil-kicking, big B, big B, big B. What I mean by that big B is, is a strong Baptist, okay? I am not a Baptist brighter. I want to clarify that matter. I, I, believe, I believe the Baptists have it right, and I believe that if you're right with God, you're going to be a Baptist. And uh, besides that, I'm glad I was baptized by a Baptist and pastor of a Baptist church. All right? So, uh, but wouldn't that be great if the president got saved? Boy, that'd be something if he got saved and turned around and see salvation changes lives, doesn't it? And if you were this way, now you're that way. That's the way it's supposed to work. All right? And so, uh, Paul told Timothy that he needs to pray that he might lead a quiet and peaceable life. And uh, that's one of the many reasons why he needed to pray for those in leadership. Uh, Timothy had issues with out-of-place women in chapter 2. And so Paul deals with that subject as well. Paul reminds Timothy of his pastoral qualifications and the deacons too. Timothy was on the verge of misbehaving in the house of God. Chapter 3, verse 15, where he says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Now, under the stress of the ministry, Paul reminded Timothy to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Uh, with God's help and for His glory, that's what I want to remind you. Uh, everybody's got their battles. Uh, we've all got battles. We've got multi multiple battles. We've got lots of things. Uh, a good soldier will pick his battles. Okay, And just remember, there's lots of things uh, worthy of of uh, the effort to fight, but there are some things that put that on the back burner. You, you need to put out some things, the, the, the things that are most going to affect you the most and the ministry the most first. You need to kind of prioritize what's most important to take care of first. And uh, th that's where I think a lot of young preachers get in trouble. They see things, and then they want to take care of everything at once, and, uh, and nothing's accomplished except they go to another church. <laughs> You see, that's a lot of times the way it happens is we get into a, a church and the pies and pats come. They pat you on the shoulder and say, Pastor, you're doing a great job, and they give you a pie. And you think, man, I'm doing a great job. And uh, the second year, you know, the pies and the pats, they're, they're still coming, but they're not as many. Patting you on the back and giving you a pie and saying, man, you're doing a great job. About the third year of the ministry, they're, they're, there's no pies and there's no pats. And uh, there's lots of criticism. And so then you get to thinking, well, maybe I have, maybe, maybe, I've, I've, maybe it's over with. Maybe God wants me someplace else uh, to uh, speak the truth to people and, and help them to grow in the faith. And so you go off to another church, and here comes the pies and pats. I mean, the honeymoon's on, uh, the, pie, the pats on the back and the pies, and, and you do that for about three years, and the pies and pats quit coming. And then you think, well, I need to go someplace else. And here comes the pies and pats again. You see? And that's silly. You find the will of God and you, and you plant your blessed assurance and with God's help, you, you do something for the glory of God. And uh, I have found that. I've been at Beville Baptist Church for uh, going on 33 years and uh, we have people in the church that we have uh, dedicated as babies that are adults uh, and uh, with, with <laughs> teenagers. And that makes me feel old, of course, but I tell you what, we're clipping coupons. And they're doing great things in the house of God. Uh, the, the, we dedicated them as babies. We, we loved on them as children. And uh, we, we uh, got through their teen years. And 
man, they're turning out to be something great in the Lord. They married in, in the Lord. They're raising a family. They're still in church. Uh, boy, that's, that's a blessing. That's a real blessing. And that uh, you've got to stay there in order for those type of things to happen. But under the stress of the ministry, Paul had to remind Timothy to be a good uh, minister. And we see uh, the uh, qualifications in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. Paul says, uh, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, uh, vigilant, sober, of good hospitality, uh, excuse me, good behavior, uh, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, uh, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, uh, nor covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? God makes that connection between ruling your home and ruling in the church. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he falleth into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now, let's, let's pray one more time. Father, I pray that you'll help us to say what needs to be said. Just give us... Open eyes, open hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. I want us to kind of run through some of the qualifications to remind us of what we should be. If we're going to be a good minister, there's some things that we need to uh, continually put to practice and make sure it's right. The Bible says we need to be blameless. Blameless. That means above reproach. That means we need to, have, we need to be a person uh, with a good reputation. That means we pay our bills. We treat people fairly. Uh, it means we're thoughtful. It means that someone cannot blame us uh, for wrongdoing. Uh, that's what the man of God's supposed to do. You know, I'm not talking about the, the preacher on Little House on the Prairie now. Uh, I'm not talking about that kind of a person. But I'm talking about a person that uh, they can't hang any wrongness on you. Uh, there's, there's nothing wrong uh, with men of God buying and selling. Nothing wrong at all. Uh, there's, uh, there's nothing wrong with that unless you take advantage of people and always get the advantage over them. There's a problem there. That will get around. I've, I've been in communities before where they say, well, that preacher, he's a wheeler and dealer, boy. You're not going to get a good deal with him. He'll always take advantage of you. Now, how does that affect your ministry? That affects your ministry. If anybody ought to take the loss, it ought to be the pastor. It ought to be the man of God. He ought to be the bigger of the two. Money ought not be that important to the man of God when it, when it, comes to things like that uh when it, you know and it really bothers me to see people make merchandise out of their people i've had evangelists come and uh and preachers come and and uh into my church when i was a young pastor and they say preacher uh do you make enough money of course not <laughs> that's a loaded question of course not well i'll tell you how you can make more uh, i can sign you up for this deal and you sign your people up for this deal and guess what everybody benefits say i can't do that well why can't you do that? i'm not going to make merchandise of god's people not going to do it i mean uh, my wife runs me off when we have a garage sale she run me off why because if one of our members come up and they like something they think they need it it's yours and she makes zero out of it she doesn't like that at all she says don't you have things to do in the office you know the man of god's supposed to go and study and work and pray and and knock on doors why don't you go be that man of god and then she can sell whatever she wants to sell. But uh, too often the man of God is taking advantage of, of people that are trying to be a blessing to the man of God. 
And I think that's a horrible sin, and that will make you uh, where people will blame you, and it will get around. The Bible also says the husband of one wife. You know, there are those that have the opinion one wife at a time. Now, if you let me do some talking, I could probably agree with that term, one wife at a time. But it'd have to be a legitimate wife. You see, there's a lot of people that have divorces that are this not legitimate at all. Not at all. Not in the least bit is it legitimate. You see, the child of God ought to be in the, in the business of forgiving and forbearing and reconciling. And so when people come to me and they say, we just have these... Uh, these differences that we we can't resolve i said well why don't you just forgive each other oh we don't want to do that well that's bottom line you don't want to do that forgiveness and then you come back together you're reconciled and and you know i've been married for 43 years and in 43 years my wife has has had a real job on her hands and she has changed me to some degree when we were first married Hey, I was raised up in a dysfunctional home. Man, we all used the same toothbrush. We all used the same wash rags. No big deal. That's where I was raised. I got married. She didn't like that one bit too much at all. One day she came out and she said, This is a toothbrush. And that's yours. And it's blue. And this is a toothbrush. And it's pink. And it's mine. Blue for guys pink for girls. And she says, this is your wash rag. This is my wash rag. I didn't understand what the big deal was. Okay, all right, fine. Well, now through the years, she's kind of dignified me in some areas. I wouldn't use your toothbrush either anymore. But there's some things I had to learn. She said, if you spit in the sink, you wash the spit out. (laughs) I wasn't raised that way. But, you know, there are some things, and not that gross, of course. There's some things that, that changed overnight with me when I got married. And then there's some things that she's been working on for years that has slowly changed. And then there's some things that I'm going to die with. That's right, I'm going to die with it. Now, what are you going to do about that? Are you, is, it, is home going to be a battlefield for the rest of your life? Or are you going to forbear on some things? And, and be together as a couple. You see, the husband of one wife, uh, I, I, it, to me it's, 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 it's easy to understand without any profound gobbledygook uh, to confuse the issue. One wife for one life is God's standard. Alright? We also see another qualification, vigilant. To be vigilant. Vigilance is to be watchful and alert to spiritual dangers. I think the man of God ought to be walking the wall, walking, uh, walking guard, and, and, and looking for things that would be a spiritual danger to his people. I, I think that we ought to be observant. I think that we ought to be... Uh, there's publications that people would like for you to pass out amongst the people. Uh, when missionaries come, or just anybody comes, and they want to get everybody on their email list, I say, no, no, uh-uh. Because if they ever become unscriptural and they've got your email list of all your church members before long, uh, they're hearing all this stuff that might make them as bad as they are. (laughs) I don't want that. 
I'm standing guard. That's my position. That's, that's who I am. And I believe that's me being vigilant. The Bible says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. Okay? Circumspectly, walking around, observing, looking. I don't think that you ought to be looking for wrong. I think you ought to just be looking to make sure that everything's right. Okay? Just make sure that there's a right spirit and, and a rightness to, to whatever. All right? So that's what the man of God's supposed to do. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh uh, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Another qualification is that he be sober. Sober to have a sound mind. The Bible tells us in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 and verse 12, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us the grace of God that bringeth salvation. That's the, the subject there. The grace of God teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I think we ought to have a sound mind. I mean, we're surrounded uh, by all these crazy folks, uh, just absolutely crazy, uh, government crazy. We're surrounded by all that. We're bombarded with all kinds of news, with all that craziness. Uh, somebody needs to have a sound mind, and it ought to be the child of God. Now, Paul also reminds Timothy of that good behavior. And there again, I believe that Timothy was on the verge of misbehaving in the house of God. And by the way, there's a lot of ways that the man of God can misbehave in the house of God. You know, you, you can treat people differently when you ought to treat them all with all the love that you possibly can. And you ought to give them the truth in love. I don't mean that you don't feel the, the, uh, the anger of the moment of what the devil's doing to people. Uh, you, 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 can, you can express some things. But at the same time, uh, you care for everybody. And everybody ought to know that you love them. Years ago, when my children were all uh, young, young kids, uh, I set them at the table and I said to them, I said, now, uh, can you tell me which one of you three your dad loves the most? And my oldest said, oh, dad, me and you are like that. You love me the most. I, I know that. And my second child says, dad, <laughs> you're the middle child. I'm the middle child. We have something in common. We're both middle child. You know, and uh, and so uh, she said, I think I'm your favorite. And then my son says, Dad, I'm your namesake. We've got the same name. We're guys. I think I'm your favorite. And when I listened to all three of them, I said, you've got it right. Because I, I love you with all my heart. There's not there's not an ounce of more love that I can love you. You are you. And I just love you all to the place where you all feel like you're my favorite. I like that. I feel like I'm God's favorite. I hope you feel like you're God's favorite. God can't love you any more than he loves you. And he loves you with his entire being. And I think that we ought to, our people ought to know that they're loved. And we don't love this person because they're more cooperative than that person. We love them all with all the ability that we have. Okay. And I'm talking about uh, being of good behavior. And I believe that's a part of it. How about being hospitable? Hospitable. Uh, you know, they name hospitals uh, hospitable. That's uh, someone that cares. Hospitable. People ought to know that you care. They really don't know. They, they really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I've said this to young preachers. I say, you know, 
the first, wor- first year you're in the ministry, the first year you're in a new church, don't try to change a thing. Just go in there and learn and love the people. Just love them. And do your best to try to add, add to the congregation. You know, just don't try to change nothing. I mean, nothing. Just learn, uh, learn, learn some things and love them, okay? And about that second year, you start, you start seeing some things that you think you need to change. And, and you start developing a plan on how to slowly implement those changes. And uh, then when you start changing, making some changes, uh, the people might think, well, I don't necessarily agree with him, but I sure know he loves me. And I sure know that he has the benefit of the church on his heart and the best of the church. You see, that will help go a long way in keeping you from having a church split. Now, sometimes church splits are inevitable and it's going to happen. I am so blessed. I've never experienced a church split in 38 years. Thank you, Lord. Okay? That don't mean it couldn't happen tomorrow. It could. But I'm thanking the Lord. But I do believe that if we uh, skillfully handle some things and work on some things, I think, it, think that in, in many cases it could, it could um, keep that from happening. But the pastor ought to be hospitable. The Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. I think he ought to be full of joy, and I think he ought to be happy, and I think everybody ought to know the man of God is happy. And uh, I don't think he ought to look sad. I don't think he ought to uh, make everybody feel like they're about ready to cry. I, I, I knew this evangelist that came into my church, bless his heart. Uh, every time I saw him, I wanted to cry. He had this, these sad-looking blue eyes, and uh, he just, he just, he just, his demeanor was, he just made you feel sorry for him. Uh, we had uh, another preacher tell me, he said, yeah, I felt so sorry for him. I bought him a new pair of boots. Spent $300 on a pair of boots. And I said, how do I look that sad? I'd like to have a new pair of boots too. But I think the man of God ought to, uh, ought to have joy. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I think you ought to be apt to teach. You know, we see two things here when the Bible says apt to teach, uh, that he has a gift of teaching. You know what the difference between teaching and preaching is? Teaching is giving all the facts. Preaching is giving all the facts and making application. Nobody has a problem with giving all the facts. Nobody. The facts are the facts. Truth is truth. But people have problems when you say, okay, now what are you going to do with the facts? That applies to you. If you don't do it, you're not right with God. They don't like that. That's why they prefer to have teachers rather than preachers. Okay? But you're, uh, you, you are supposed, we are supposed to be apt to teach. That means have the gift of teaching. And then secondly, we ought to have that teachable spirit. Uh, in other words, we can be taught and we can teach. We can teach and we can be taught. I don't think you ought to expect anybody to, to, to want to learn if we, can't, if we don't have that desire to want to learn. I, I want to learn. If I'm wrong, I want to be, I want to be right. You know? um, and I, I've told my wife that before, too. I said, look, honey, if I'm wrong on something, first of all, you're going to have to convince me I'm wrong, okay? I can't say I'm wrong unless you convince me. And you hadn't convinced me yet. But when you convince me like that, I change. And my wife will say, <clears throat> now I'm not trying. I said, honey, you said the right words. You said it. You convinced me. I, I'm wrong. I don't like saying those words, folks. So that's why I try to be right so I don't have to say those words. But, but the fact of the matter is that we ought, to be, we ought to be people that can be taught some things. We ought not be so full of pride as a pastor that we stand before the people and they don't, they say, well, you know, <laughs> pastor knows it all. He just knows everything. Well, no, he doesn't know it all. There's some things that we're, we, we're constantly learning. We remind the people that we're constantly learning. Okay, we're going to stop right there. 
uh, I was given a time limit, and we're going to stop because I was given it, and that's just the way it is, okay? Uh, now, uh, I, uh, <clears throat> you pray for me. I've, I've got another message uh, for the next hour, uh, or I can finish this one up. I'm not sure which, one I'm, which direction I'm going to go, but if you'd like to have a copy of this, I'd be glad to uh, get you a copy, if, if, if you care to have a copy. You may not want a copy of it, uh, and that's okay. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time. Uh, thank you for the wonderful opportunity to stand before these men of God, ladies of faith. And I pray, Father, that something we've said thus far uh, just might help us to be that good minister and move forward with the things of God as you so desire in our lives. Please uh, bless the remainder of the meeting. In Jesus' name, amen.